the guy he's spying on that it's the guy who has the cat and he's coming out of the shop and he's now got his Edgar suit and he's got the truck with his, his yeah, spaceship. Yeah, he woke right? He killed a he kills uh, the exterminator. exterminator and stole his truck. Very ironic. Of yeah. Course. And he's trying to just sit and watch and he's trying to just pose with his <laughs> hand on and he does this like super awkward, like lean like thing. And he tries it like three, two or three times. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so good. Upload speeds. See, now we know why it was me and not you, because you got them crazy upload speeds. Don't worry about me. I'm uploading like a motherfucker over here. Damon, could you do me a favor? I'm going to pretend I don't know what this is, like we had to start this recording a second time. What? What? What is it, DJ? You ruined the bit. I don't even want to do it anymore. No, come on, DJ. It was a good bit. Come okay. on. Okay. Come on. Just People are going to love this. For a second. Please, just. Mm-hmm. Will you just... Mm-hmm. Bounce with me. What? Just bounce with me. The only thing I have to do is bounce with you. Just only bounce with me. <laughs> I have some questions oh. before I bounce with anyone. Now my camera's all out of focus. It's got weird. Do you see things <laughs> that I need not see? Is that something you would uh, characterize as something you do as in your job? Because you deal with things that I need that need not be, and you see things that I need not see. I can't, I can't with the, the extreme. What happened? Was okay. it the bouncing that caused the out of focusness? So. I think so. Is this the new camera or is this, this a, is the uh, old camera? Now it's fucked too. You gotta look at me, bro. <laughs> I don't like this. This looks like a student art film. It does. What is happening? Get it? No, it's losing it there. Why? There You're good go. now. What's your fucking problem? <laughs> I think we nailed it. I think the part where I quoted lines that you weren't aware of, and so you got confused, and then your camera went out of focus, and you kind of freaked out a little bit. I think people at home or on their commutes are really going to enjoy that. Why don't we just do the old standby and sing? Here come the MIB. Here come the MIB. He does like to woo, and he likes to laugh to himself. You know what I can never get enough of? Hmm? Musically rhythmic laughing. Ha <laughs> ha. Just uh, a normal thing to do. Stevie Wonder in Uptight says, ha 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 yeah. It's the best thing that's ever happened in music. <laughs> it ended there. This is an earnest thing. This is an earnest thing you actually love. I'm serious. Rhythmic laughing. I do. Ha <laughs> ha. I mean, do you have a third example? Because I can't. I can't offer anything to this triple. Oh. Can't think of one right now. The two, the two instances of rhythmic laughing. So rare. That's why I love it so much. Welcome to your inner child is an idiot. <laughs> this is the podcast where we look back on things from the past and see if they were going to begin with. And <laughs> what? <laughs> There's my rhythmic laugh. There's your third. The podcast where we look on things from the past and see if they were any good to begin look with. On them. My name's DJ. My name's Damon. Hello, DJ. Hello. 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 Today we're talking about, do you know what we're talking about? You, uh, you were just singing the song, so I feel like you know that we're talking about Men in I'm Black. I'm always singing the Men in Black song. You know that scene in the Avengers where Hulk turns around and says his trick is that he's always angry? My trick is, I'm always I'm singing always. the Men in Black theme song. A friend of mine claims that he 
always has Disco Inferno running in his head. Burn, baby, burn, and Disco Inferno. No matter, even if he has another song stuck in his head, that one's under there. Oh, kind of like Anna Kendrick in Pitch Perfect. He's able to uh, sort of meld the two. But it only with song Disco with Disco Inferno. Do you know why, Damon, that we're right now, we are discussing this particular film? There's a reason. It's Halloween. No. Okay. It's not a cultural reason. It's a personal and professional reason for us. It's for our patron, Just Cuz. She has of course. specifically requested, and she's a very special patron to us. If you want to get your requests jumped up to the top of the list. Right up to the top of the queue. You just have to sign up at the uh, level, which I can't remember the name of right now. Patreon.com slash Junior Child is an idiot. So she requested Wallace. we cover Men in Black, which we also want to coincidentally want to cover so this works out for both of us no 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 dj we had forgotten it was a movie and just because let us know that it still exists and is available for viewing hasn't been banned yet so that's why we decided it wasn't on our list it wasn't on a list already no that would be absurd i think we have to you know we have to go to our new segment that we're working on here just to get it out of the way, Damon's problematic corner. <laughs> just makes me th- seem like I am the only one who has problems. I really enjoy this because it seems like it's your fault. <laughs> and your corner is problematic. Over the years, we have not shied away from talking about what makes a movie from the past difficult or changes the context of it. We're trying something new where we, maybe we tuck that in its own section Not that we can't address it again, but that we discuss it, and then maybe we can sort of like talk about whether that's a uh, how detracting that issue is or not, and then and then kind of you know have its own labeled section. Hit the new music. I just decided just now that it's got new music. So thank you. I love a violin piece. Oh, now you really now I've really screwed you over. What's left to be said about Will Smith's past three hundred and sixty-five? ish days. I don't know. Does he qualify for problematic? This seems like a very intrapersonal specific thing where he hit some guy at a very stupid time right before he won best actor in yeah. a dramatic role. Actually, it's it's not it's not specified at the Oscars. I don't know why I said in a dramatic role. They don't have separate awards for comedy. They just don't award those movies. They just don't give them those awards. Do you need a minute to get through the gas? I don't know what what <laughs> happened there. That was like an attack. (laughs) (laughs) This episode brought to you by (laughs) Rolaids. Jesus Christ. Remember those? Are they still around? Is Rolaids still around? Yeah, of course. I have them in my, almost called it my bathroom pantry. I've always been a Tums guy myself. (laughs) You fool. Let's keep this brief because the, the whole Oscar slap has been talked to death. We don't really have anything new to add to the conversation, but it can change the way you view this movie from the past and Will Smith's entire oeuvre, uh, which I enjoy. I am charmed generally by Will Smith. I don't think slapping is how adults solve problems, generally speaking. Also, it was such a silly walk for the slap. Remember the walk for the slap? Yeah. It was like a Muppet took over his body. It was like his, you know how like Big Bird, he really only has one arm that moves. Yeah. And because the, the, the yeah. puppeteer is running the head. So there's right. just like one hand sort of on his like Sort of where Napoleon would slip his hand. Like, that's where Big Bird's hand sits. A lot, sit. a lot that's of similarities. What, if memory serves, I'm not going to look it up, but like the way he sidled up, it was like one arm full swinging. 
you know, you like he was like loose. overcompensating. Slap. And yeah, you, gotta, you don't want to, you don't want to like uh, get tennis elbow. Yeah, you don't want to slapping. Seize up right before the. But the other arm was like firmly planted on his side while he's doing this. What can best be described as a sachet up to Chris Rock and then slapped him. I mean, I don't know. It seems so straight. Honestly, it felt really exhausting. It to, is the, like have the conversation to watch. got exhausting. Even I'm exhausted of my own opinion of it because I don't <laughs> care. If I hadn't been watching, I would have been like, that's crazy. But because I was watching, now I have more opinion because I'm like, first of all, it's like a really dumb joke. Not like it was G.I. Jane. It's like a 30 year old film. Yeah, it was not even like 25. It was a mean spirited, but also not even pointed or good. Like it was like and also he Chris Rock delivered it. He definitely didn't write that. Like, so <laughs> who are we slapping? But also, don't slap people. Also, I don't want to talk about it anymore, but I could see how this could change the way you view just because he's been in, you know, a very large presence in the news and especially entertainment news of the last whatever. Who cares how long? I feel like the punishment of him sort of this sort of hanging around him, I feel like that is like the suitable punishment for what actually happened. He's banned from the Oscars. Well, yeah, I mean, not an actual punishment. I feel like the pop cultural punishment of like, there's always going to be yeah. this weird footnote. Like, I don't yeah. think that Will Smith is a problematic person, and I probably won't even remember the slap when we start watching this movie. It was just stupid. Yeah, I agree. I think, and I don't know if, the, is there anything else in this movie? Does Tommy Lee Jones have anything? He probably does. does. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> No, I don't think so. He's not pleased with Jim Carrey's buffoonery. I remember that. But who is? Yeah. And then we got Vincent D'Onofrio. Anything on him? Just accolades for this performance from me. You know, I don't know if uh, Shaban, what's her name, from SNL and Seinfeld, who plays Sugar. Who wanted Sugar? Sugar. That woman. And water. Who's the the lady? Linda Fiorentino. Yes, Linda Fiorentino. Siobhan Fallon Hogan is the woman who says that line, sugar. Let's exit the problematic corner. Let's get out of here because I feel like- Because it's a mess. (laughs) No, it's a mess. Okay, play us out. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, tuba on the play out. (laughs) What else do you remember? Was this a big movie for you? I remember this movie came out in 1997, which is a weird- year for me personally it's when i became aware of pop culture in general it's not where i thought you were going to go with that so 1997 tends to be crystallized in amber for me and i can like if a movie came out then or a song came out there i was like 1997 and then anything else i'm like after 1997 slightly before 1997 okay yeah it is a weird touchstone for me i do remember seeing this in theaters i remember enjoying it And I remember the Will Smith song being all over the goddamn place. (laughs) But other than that, I remember liking it. I'm not going to buy it on DVD. You almost said doi 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 doi. (laughs) I loved this movie as well. I think I did have it on doi doi. This might be my favorite Will Smith movie. Hmm. Well, I mean, hold on. I'm going through the other. I mean, oh, we have Independence Day. Independence Day. Upon rewatch, I'm sticking Mm. with this one for now. All right. Six Degrees of Separation. (laughs) I don't think I saw that one. Well, guess we'll have to get that on the list real quick. I never saw Happiness. Happiness. Um, (laughs) Because it's 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 actually happiness. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
You no, he's got a lot, he's got a, from a, a different angle. He's got a lot of movies that I enjoyed. Wild Wild West. That one I did not enjoy. And you know, that was actually somewhat of a watershed moment for me, that movie, because there was also a single attached to that movie. Wild Wild West. Straight to the yeah. Wild Wild. Yeah. Will Smith featuring Wiki, Cisco. Wiki Wawa. Wiki Wawa Jim. Wiki Wawa West. Jim West. Desperado. Rough Rider. No, you don't want nada. None of this. Six guy on this brother. None of this. I Look know that. Look at you. Look I at you. Loved that song. I. Was it because it was like basically just sampling a really good Stevie Wonder song? Like that's I learned <laughs> that it's sampled. Okay, let me give you a quick review. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I ruin this anecdote? I was a fan of Will Smith of The Fresh Prince, DJ Jazzy Jeff and The Fresh Prince, because my sister Jennifer had the tape, like the cassette tape that had Parents Just Don't Understand and Nightmare on My Street. So I loved him as a a rapper and enjoyed that. And then of course the show. Fresh Prince came out. I was like, heck yeah, let's do this. Became a huge fan. And then he started doing movies. I'm like, yeah, let's keep this train rolling. And then he's like, I love a triple threat, said DJ. Then he's like, I'm doing rap again. I'm like, yeah, I'm on fucking board. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm ready to rock in the new millennium. Excuse me, millennium with you. Mm-hmm. Officially. But he also did Wild Wild Wrestles. Like, this song rules. And then I heard mm-hmm. this TV Wonder song, I Wish, which is that song samples, and realized, oh, I like that. <laughs> and this is one of the many times in my musical journey of life where I couldn't hold those two things in my head, where I'm like, I can't like this sampled version because the original is the part I like. Now I'm just like, yeah, they're both great. One of them is from a stupid movie and it's kind of cheesy and stupid. The other is a Stevie Wonder and it's amazing. But I still like them both. But for some reason, especially as a teen, I could not fathom having both of those things be enjoyable to me. So it had to be one or the other. Right. I'm amazed that you knew so much of the Wild Wild West song, though. I know the rest Does of Does he f- also recount the entire plot of Wild Wild West in it, which he is convenient? just describing himself, but he also calls himself a Buffalo... That's called sp- character work. That's called doing your homework as an actor. He calls himself a Buffalo Soldier, which I realize is inappropriate for me to quote now. So I realize now it was always inappropriate. Well, now, I don't know what to say. What is that? A Buffalo Soldier is a group of black soldiers. Now I'm going to butcher the history of it. Buffalo Soldier. In like the Civil War? African-American soldiers used during the 19th century to serve on the frontier. Oh. I think the character of Jim West right. was a Buffalo. Jim West, like, actually. Des- Desperado. Yeah. yeah. Rough Rider, no, you don't want to know the six-gun of this brother, not this Buffalo Soldier. Look at that. <laughs> I told you. That's Any- actually great homework. That's great character work for Jim West. Any damsel that's in distress <laughs> will be out of that dress. When she oh. meets Jim West. Now, see, I feel like you should be getting her out of distress. It's a play on Not words. out of her dress. I know it rhymes, Jim, but yeah. I feel like you should really be focused on Fortunately, we're not talking about Wild Wild West. We're talking about Men in Black. <sighs> also featuring... <laughs> like, why, why did I sigh like, ah, uh, man. Wistful. If only I could watch movie. Wild Wild West. There's a giant mechanical spider in it and weird racial jokes, if memory serves, where Kenneth Branagh's like former Confederate soldier. Again, we're not talking about Wild Wild West. Do you want to talk about Tommy Lee Jones at all, a.k.a. the poor man's Kevin Klein? Kevin Klein was in Wild Wild West. <laughs> wow. That joke didn't land because Damon doesn't know as much about Wild West as I do, apparently. (laughs) I knew. For some reason, I had completely blanked on Kevin Klein, and I was like, 
I was thinking of Calvin Klein. It was like, why? Did and I that say is, Calvin Klein? No, you didn't. Okay, you said Kevin Klein. And I <laughs> I just immediately blanked. For some reason, I did not go to actors that no one else knows the name of <laughs> in our generation. And completely blanked. It was a rare moment for me. Enjoy it. Tommy Lee Jones, I remember also being great. He plays a Surly-esque character. I love a Surly-esque character. It's his wheelhouse. He's also fun to draw. I want to say that about oh, Tommy Lee Jones. Can't wait. I'm not a great caricaturist unless you already have like a really weird face, which is, I mean, that's great in caricatures. What are you going to do? And he is fun to draw. He's got sort of a lantern jaw. He's sagging in all these weird places. He's, He's got really great. big ears. Yeah, yeah, ears. He sort of has a trapezoidal head where it just sort of like... Mm. And it seems to be like just sort of like a melted candle. I really enjoy him. And we got Rip Torn. Let's not sleep on Rip Torn. Yeah, didn't he had something drunk? There's your problem yeah. there, corner. Oh, put that put that back in. <laughs> he had a, a DUI, right? And then something. I think it was mostly related to drinking. I think it was like a DUI. Man, we got to do more research before we do. That's that. why Problematic Corner is better on the back end. I yeah, think. I think you're right. Because usually I sit with this movie for a while. And I'm like, what are they up to? Oh, God. What <laughs> happened? Yeah. Rip Torn maybe has a history of drinking problems. Don't do the drinking. Don't make, don't make and don't do it so badly. I didn't. I yeah, put the thumb that? in my it's mouth, like which is the bottle helper, of like... the beer. But then I didn't wrap my hands around the beer. So it just sort of missed its. I just look like I'm sucking off the hamburger <laughs> helper guy. <laughs> But I'm also nervous to put the whole thing in my mouth. I'm like, I'll just do this I if it's see, okay. I mean, if it's your first, anyway. It's like, does he cook with the, his body? Like it, when he grips the pan, is he grabbing it with his body? Or does he have hands on his fingers? Is you know what I mean? Helper mascot also problematic because it is a white glove, which has a whole history of minstrelry. Yes. <sighs> But that's not what we're talking. Why are we so talking about that? Refusing to talk about this popular <laughs> hit movie from the summer of 1997. Barry Sonnenfeld, a friend yep. of the show, and by mm -hmm. friend, I mean he's never been on the show, but we've watched the movie Adam's Family. That's right. That's right. And values. Danny Elfman. We're gonna hear a little bit of that. Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't know he did the. Did he? Not? Oh, this is probably when he was mad at Tim Burton. If if he did. He worked on it. Now I'm doubting that he did. Men in Black. Yeah, yeah he did it. Okay, get off me. Danny get off Felfman. Me. Everyone get off me. William H. Felfman. <laughs> Jenna Felfman. Okay, <laughs> we're going to watch Men in Black. Here's why I think I'm having trouble saying this lane. I loved this movie, so I don't have anything all that bad to say about it, but, but maybe then I will. shouldn't you be gushing? Shouldn't you be gushing to talk about this movie? Well, I want to save it. I want to save it for... Uh, Gush later. Here's what I'm going to mostly gush about. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, Vincent D'Onofrio is going to be my MVP, like Catherine O'Hara Memorial MVP. I don't I don't want you going in biased. I want you to go fresh, like okay. Jerry Still, like Frank Costanza would have you go. Blank slate. What is this movie? We're all going to find out together. Men in Black. We're going to watch it. We'll be right back. Here comes the Damon's Anth. Damon's Anth. What do I defend? You defend... Go on, won't help you. Local area. <laughs> yeah. How local are we talking? Like my body? Because I don't even know if I could defend that, if I'm being honest. You're not the if hero that Englewood deserves, but you're mm. the hero they need. <clears throat> Wait. Yeah. Is it that way? Yeah. Did I say it right? I can't remember. I can't remember. It's been a while since a straight man maybe watched a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> 
well, let me be not the first, but the latest to do that. Actually, the last man who made me watch a Christopher Nolan movie was Tyler, and it was pieces of... Couldn't be Tenet. less straight. Tenet. Tenet. You see, it's the same forward as it is backwards. It's a palindrome. <laughs> palindrome. Palindrome. You know what? I saw the New England Saints at the Palindrome <laughs> back in 88. <laughs> Solid. Everything I did there was great. No notes for me. Damn it, I know that you have recently been neuralized, so I'd like to remind you about our Patreon page before we begin uh, yes. the rest of the episode. Sure. I definitely remembered it was supposed to happen, that we were supposed to do a commercial for our patrons. You and I are currently, mm -hmm. and have for a long time, do, we do a podcast together. And uh -huh. it's supported uh, entirely by our listeners. So Interesting. Like PBS. It's like PBS, but with even less money. <laughs> You can't afford Terry Gross. So you're probably wondering how do supporters go about supporting? Mm -hmm. What you're going to want to do is pull up the old electronic phone, the old e-phone, mm -hmm. the old, I can't come up with an old timey word for computer and yeah. <laughs> computational device. And you're yeah. going to want to go to the uniform resource locator, hypertext transfer protocol, colon, backslash, backslash, worldwide web, period. Patreon.com mm -hmm. mm -hmm. slash your inner child is an idiot. Once you go there, you're going to be able to support at whatever level you want. You can pay a little bit, you can pay a lot. There'll be different levels. There's uh, different benefits. What if you want to uh, suggest an episode like uh, the very our very own supporter Just Cause did with this one? What if you want to have your suggestion shoot to the top of the list? <laughs> uh huh. Much like a alien launching. Yep. Insert men in black reference here, which I'll come up with later. Greg, do that in post. Do a thing, boss. <laughs> Patreon.com slash you know, an idiot. Before we leave the commercial, I've because I've been neuralized, I, I just, just wanted to follow up. I was up. just leaving. No, 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 no. Come back. Okay. Come back. Yeah. Because of my neuralification. Uh -huh. You got flashy thing too many times. I got questions about the podcast. It's not one of those ones where they're like talking about old movies, is it? Because like any millennial white guy with a fucking microphone talking about movies from his childhood and it's like, we get it. You think you're so special and so interesting. It's not one of those, right? Well, I'm afraid it is, but it is the, it's not even the first, but it was earlier than some. So you got to hand it to us as far as I know. The money, you mean. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. And we are back. We watched Men in Black, 1997, Barry Sonnenfeld, Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith, Linda Fiorentino, Vincent D'Onofrio. John Grease. I think 11-year-old David Cross. <laughs> it's music by Danny Elfman. We got a Tony Shalhoub. We got Frank the mm -hmm. Pug. We got... Yep. Carol Stryken. Who is that? He is the super tall alien. He, okay. You probably know him as Lurch from... The Adams Family, but also possibly the butler from The Witches of Eastwick. Oh, yeah, that's definitely where I recognize him from. It's fun to name movies I know you don't know. Do you want to recap this movie? Do I? Picture it. New York City, 1997. Hanson blasting down the streets of Harlem. The sound of the city. 
them? <laughs> Wait, are they just driving just, by? Is someone there's just so doing many loops people. on the block? Oh, right. They're all listening. And it's radio. You know, radio, radio is still station. a thing. So it's at the same We're mass communicating here. And America has an alien problem. I know what you're thinking. Conservative, you know, diehards that obviously <laughs> listen to this podcast. No, 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 not them. You are not going to like us very much. Space aliens. And we find out that there is a government entity known as the Men in Black Sexism, who persons in uh, black. sort of act as sort of, you know, border patrol, as it were. No, I don't like that. Mm. And definitely not ICE. Don't bring them either, up either. But it is what they... NCIS, is that one of them? CSI, they're the CSI? Yeah, customs, maybe. Kind of, but with more <laughs> shooting. Do you have anything to declare? The point is, they regulate the amount of interstellar residents in our, on our planet. There's about 1,500. But, uh, wouldn't you know it, someone arrived here illegally, and just as you might expect... The whole planet goes to shit when that happens. And just like my dad would like me to believe, <laughs> the whole place goes to shit. And it's a giant cockroach. He wears the, the decomposing skin of a farmer, and uh, he's trying to get a hold that he of murdered. a galaxy. Yeah, that he murdered. He just didn't find one. That's disgusting. This is only nominally less disgusting. <laughs> he's trying to get a hold of a galaxy, but where is it? A galaxy is a big thing. We can't be on this planet. Oh, DJ. But is it? Oh, but it is. <laughs> Turns out a galaxy can be a very small thing, as we find out in, at the end of Act 2, and can hang out on the collar of a cat. That becomes our MacGuffin. Our cockroach friend tries to get off this planet with the galaxy, and our men's in black stop him by shooting a bunch of guns at him. Problem solved. And we all know the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. So that ends. I mean, huh? point huh? of order. Huh? A good guy with a gun shooting you from the inside. True. <laughs> you have to get the good guy inside the bad guy and then he can shoot his way out of the bad guy. That's the problem. Where's the legislation That's, on that? We need either bigger bad guys or smaller good guys. <laughs> That's what we need in this country. God damn it! Why isn't anyone talking about this? Anyway, that's Men in Black, pretty much in a nutshell. I think that's one of my best recaps ever. That was pretty good. <laughs> that's sad. I agree, <laughs> but that's sad. We got into the border patrol of it all, which I kind of didn't even think about that angle. The movie pretty much hits you over the head with it. First scene up. <laughs> White privilege. First scene out of the canon, which is what I call a film strip, is a canon. What? Just keep talking. Okay. Just keep talking. <laughs> please, like, please, don't, <laughs> don't draw attention to that joke. <laughs> do you want to talk about fonts, since that's the first thing you yes, see? Yes, I do, actually. I do want to talk about fonts. My first note is Barry Sonnenfeld font, because he also used this font yeah. in The Addams Adam Family, Family yeah. combined with Charles Adams' scrawl. It was this very, it's a hand-drawn font, very tall, skinny letters, Turns out it's actually a font uh, based off of Pablo Ferro, who did the font for Dr. Strangelove, and Barry Sonnenfeld is borrowing from it. But it is, I mean, the marketing for this film was very Cooper Plate Gothic, at least. It was very broad, blocky letters. It's not Cooper Plate. Copper it might plate? be Copper Plate. Okay. I don't know. I'm scrolling so fast through those fonts, I don't have time to stop yeah. and read them all. Get me to the Comic Sans. <laughs> yeah, give me the Joker face and let's end this. Let's do web webdings or bust. You know, that's where I'm at. <laughs> I want someone to have to download the document, highlight it all, and then put it in Times New Roman in order to read it. If you don't have time to break my code, I don't have time to communicate with you. The marketing for this was very, like, 
bold, blocky fonts. And so the fact that there's this handwritten font is really weird. And it's kind of like, makes it seem like it's a horror movie more than this Hmm. is. Okay. Don't you feel? Do you feel like it's, I mean, it's not a big note. It's just the credits. They're over in about three minutes. Yeah. Now that you say it, I didn't feel that way. But now that you say it, I'll acknowledge it. Sure. And that's it for the episode. Your inner child is an idiot. This font sucks. <laughs> this, this has been called Damon Was Right. <laughs> Nominally. But this seems like something you'd be pedantic about. What's the difference between a font and a font type? Actually, in the colloquial sense, we talk about fonts, mm-hmm. but you should actually be talking about typeface. I think font typeface. is the collection of all the characteristics of the, the thing you're typing. So the typeface, the bold, is it italicized? I regret is it what point is it at? Any other questions? I'm so sorry to everyone. Damon, don't listen to this. I'm so sorry I asked him this. I'm back. Sorry, what was that, DJ? We're I back. was doing something else that <laughs> required all my hearing. <laughs> I feel like we've made it about two minutes and 30 seconds into the movie. We've been talking about fonts this entire time. Gotta be honest. Now you're talking about the credit. I've the seen credit this movie music. a lot of times, and uh, most of my notes are quotes. So uh, let's take our time. It is very Tim Burton-y, because you got Danny Elfman yeah. in this. Bo Welch, who also does a lot of the production design okay. on Tim Burton movies. Mr. Catherine O'Hara, I might add. Oh. And I don't know if Barry Sonnenfeld has an attachment to Tim Burton, but that font seems to scream yes. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, the Elfman of, of it all. And I do feel like as Elfman joints go, this isn't a particularly... He's, he's usually not subtle with this type of score. Like, he's done... Like, not the always the don't do, don't do, don't do. But when he's going full Elfman, like this is a full Elfman. But I feel like as as it goes, it's not like kind of inserting itself as much as it often does. And I, I thought no, it was I'm really even well trying thought. to think of the music to this movie. It's not, I mean, the song you think of is Will Smith, Men in Black. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> Tyler even was, he was watching the first few minutes with me. And he's like, wait a minute do we have to wait until the end credits to get the Men in Black theme by Will Smith? And I'm like, yes, I'm afraid so. And then he went to the toilet and he never came out again. I went in there after him and the window was open. I never <laughs> saw him again. There was actually a hole in the wall, this, this, like the exact shape of his body. <laughs> like Roger Rabbit. He just busted <laughs> out of here. I'm like, you can just download it on Spotify. You don't have to leave. While we're remarkably still on the credits, <laughs> someone gets the alien makeup effects credit did you see that rick baker yeah rick baker got that who he i think he did work on et and a lot of like uh, big makeup movies i don't mean like priscilla queen of the desert i mean like a lot of prosthetics i've learned a lot about what goes into the how credits are ordered and the fights that go into how people are credited and so since seeing this movie, because I probably would have been like, yeah, well, he did the alien makeup effects. Like, I understand what it means. But the fact that that is specifically his credits in the opening scrawl, like just after the actors, it's pretty it's like pretty early on in the credits as makeup effects go. I'm curious as to what exactly is involved to get alien makeup effects in your actual credits. If that was a union fight, if like his agent fought for that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, don't, I know we don't have any insider information, but that was pretty bonkers i also forgot still in the credits that this is based on a comic book oh yeah i was surprised to find that out i think the comic book is like a lot as usual a lot darker yeah than this is i read a little bit about it where i think they deal with like the supernatural as well and paranormal not just aliens but men in black is like a thing in like 
alien lore as yes. well. Yeah, I actually had, I should say, my parents had, like, the Time Life books. There was, like, a UFO one. There was, like, alien abduction one or something. And then there was... Time Life, what happened? And there was one about <laughs> Men in Black. Maybe it, it was it was Time Life. I'm pretty sure, because it was those black-bound... Like, they were hardback, but they were thin. They weren't, like, these big, mm-hmm. thick books. And there was one about the Men in Black. Or maybe it was in one of those books. I just remember reading about the Men in Black, and it was like, guys in suits, come to your house. And it was like... Could just be Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> there was actually an episode of the X Files that featured the Men in Black before this movie came out. It was one of the ones I remember because it was a more comical episode, but it featured soon to be Governor Jesse Ventura as one of the Men in Black. But they just show up at a guy who who had experienced some contact with aliens, and they sort of somewhat, I think if memory serves, they sort of do something similar that Tom Lee Jones does, where they sort of convince him that it's something else. It's right. this other thing. Don't yeah. worry about it. They're like there to cover up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah. Which kind of makes sense. I mean, that's the whole FBI, CIA of it all, is like they're the like kind of covert, I guess more CIA. They're like the covert, and they're there to kind of like clean up. That kind of, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good angle. And now that we're... One and a half seconds past the credits, Uncle Rico makes a, an appearance. <laughs> I got it here. John Grease again. John Grease again. This is now a... He will not leave us alone. John Grease stand cast. <laughs> he's great. We Next, we're going to do... Name another movie that he's in, because I don't know. I'm sure we'll just accidentally <laughs> find one. We'll just do the second season of White Lotus. That's how we like to if do all things else fails. Here. Stumble into a theme. <laughs> Very first line, Tommy Lee Jones is... Most of the lines that I'm going to be quoting today are things that I've forgotten that I've sort of absorbed into my <laughs> vernacular. This is one where he just, the very first thing he gets out and then we get this like quick zoom into his face and you got the the swelling Danny Elfman score and then he goes, well, I'll take it from here. Like super quiet. Yeah. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Tommy Lee Jones is maybe the most optimal casting. I mean, both Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones do a great job here, but Tommy Lee Jones is the standout. I mean, he really, he does his Tommy Lee Jones thing, specifically not the two-faced Tommy Lee Jones, but standard Tommy Lee Jones. But he uses it very well. Um, he plays up his sort of old curmudgeon-ness. a little bit. And also yeah. the folksiness coming up with various nicknames for Will Smith. Generic sounding nicknames for Will Smith. But yeah, he got me a lot more than than anyone else in this movie. Also, Rip Torn, who is in probably in the same like ballpark, like... A Manhattan is Tommy Lee Jones and old fashioned is is yeah. Rip Torn. Like they're in the same drink family. They're they're very they bring a lot of the same flavors. But I love Rip Torn. Caveat may have a drinking and driving problem, I believe. Yeah. When hey, he was we alive. put that in uh, Dave Dave's right? problematic corner. You can just Sorry, forget yeah, about it now. Just pin that. But both of them I, I I've always really enjoyed. And question about the men in black. Are there only twenty six employees there? No, because then they do like Agent question mark, come over here. Oh, did they actually have- No, I just made that up. Other, oh, okay. I didn't know that they had Agent AA, like an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. It just kept going. Agent Interrobang. They had to get really esoteric <laughs> when they expanded last year. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about the immigration analogies here. What do you think about the full-on murdering an alien? He was attacking the police officer, the state patrol officer that was like- peeking over the hill to be like, what the hell's going on? And then he sees the alien and he does all his flippers. Rattle. 
He's got all his, his flippers rattle. He, his eye, eye flips over his head. Yeah, I mean, would you say they didn't have a choice and it's a tough job? <laughs> you know, they had to make a split decision. I don't know. I mean, it is like colored by the fact that he was attacking. He was about to attack a man. He didn't seem very friendly. And there is like there that when they do encounter other aliens that they for the most part, they have good relationships with. I'm thinking about the guy who was like trying to leave Long Island. Yeah, that has the squid baby. Whose wife was like pregnant. And they have sort of a, a sweet like banter back and forth, which seemed like maybe a little bit of the, uh, if you come here legally, we ain't got a problem. That fantasy. <laughs> yeah, that that, that that nonsense. Oh, but we also want to restrict the ways you can come here legally. We'd rather you didn't come, is what I'm trying to I'm say. Confused. I don't know why they It's almost me. like you don't want me here at all. <laughs> Everyone yeah. has the same accent yeah. in this story. <laughs> you think anyone's following us that's listening right now? I feel like I just, we just went like four not. things deep. I mean, it's definitely like playing up this, it's a very 90s fantasy of what immigration is about. I and mean, definitely... You know, if you follow this metaphor, you know, all the immigrants are weird and kind of gross and, you know, maybe don't assimilate as well as we'd like, have tentacles. But I mean, I don't know if the even the movie is taking it that seriously. I, I think, think so it's either. trying to do the Ghostbusters thing of taking something mundane and adding a ridiculous element to it and the juxtaposition of those two things, the sort of the government bureaucracy of, you know, asking, you know, a giant sentient goo stack uh, for its papers and if it has any fruits and vegetables to declare is like funny on its face but yeah i mean there certainly is a reading of this as you know commentary and maybe a conservative view of the immigration system in america yeah it it seems like very passive if it really like it's there but it's not really saying anything so much as observing and making kind of Kind of easy jokes about it, about the immigration. Right. I think I don't think all of the jokes in this movie are easy. I'm just mean that those particular jokes aren't like they're not going too deep really about it because and most of it is like I do think and maybe it's just because it's a throwaway line and it aligns with my actual values. But when he <laughs> is walking away from the state patrol officers who think they've captured a <laughs> a group of border crossers. He yeah. goes, keep on protecting us from the dangerous aliens. <laughs> Which I think about that yeah, all the time true. when we're like, hey, here are some statistics about what actually <laughs> both illegal, uh, so much as we can get statistics and legal immigrants are up to once they get here. And it's mm-hmm. working. It, yeah, it's mostly working for their families. So do we want to talk about the big bug or cockroach? Yes. I want to talk about Vincent D'Onofrio for the rest of my life. <laughs> Should we get everything else out of the way? <laughs> no, let's do it. Let's get into it. Early on, we see a pretty much a 1950s style flying saucer crash land into an old farm. I'm assuming in upstate New York. I don't know if they ever specify. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's too far away from the city. Right after he says, the only thing that matters to me is my truck. And of course, it pretty much slices the truck in half. Figures. I use that one a lot. The guly comes out there, and this is another one where it al- this always strikes me because it aligns with my own personal values is Vincent D'Onofrio, still in his normal human form, comes out to see what hit his truck, and he's got his rifle with him. And the alien where the truck used to be is saying, "Please, you know, drop your your arms or whatever." Yeah. And he goes, you can take my rifle and you get it from my cold, dead hands. And he says, your proposal is acceptable and grabs him and immediately kills him, which always makes me laugh. Yeah. 
Thanks, Charles and Eston, for leaving us that legacy of cold, dead hands and rifles. Yeah. We also get, what is her not name? Siobhan Fallon? Siobhan's Fallon, yeah. Which is my, she's my <laughs> nominee for, I, she's in technically more than one scene, but she's technically my single scene. Your Sally Field. My Sally Field. I'd like to nominate her for the Sally Field Memorial Single Scene Award. There, I want to say it. Well, we'll have to see how the other states vote. Yes. That's how a nomination works. <laughs> and Ted Cruz is going to say something really awkward right before the nomination votes happen, but then he's going to backtrack and just sort of support Siobhan Fallon anyway. Now he's just reading, oh, the places you'll go on the, on the, <laughs> on the Senate floor. Why are we, what are we doing? What a waste of time. <laughs> I meant the sex that the Cruz has had to, to inseminate, to give birth to Ted Cruz. She immediately comes out <laughs> What the heck is Edgar? Which is uh, one of my favorite The lines. way she says Edgar, she never Edgar. pronounces both consonants yeah. in Edgar. It's always Edgar, Edgar. It is an awkward, in her defense, it's an awkward name, Edgar. <laughs> he does tell her to get her big butt back in the house, which I thought was a weird phrase. Like, why didn't you tell her to put her fat ass back in the house? Why'd you say big butt? Especially when, I mean, it's not like anyone else is holding their tongue in this movie. Why, why was big ass a bridge too far? I don't know. We do establish that he hits her. He says he hits her, at least. And mm-hmm. she seems like not a woman who's well-treated at home. True. He's not a super sympathetic We don't figure. have a lot of sympathetic, yeah, yeah. Sim- sympathy for Edgar before he is eaten by a giant space cockroach. He's talking about, you know, we just hear him yelling as we see the... I thought that whole scene where you don't actually, you just see the house, you don't, you hear them, the character, and it's really just him yelling at her. And you see their house, and then you see, you know, starts at a little point of light, and then you slowly see... The spacecraft just, and it's right as he says, the only thing pulling its way around here is my goddamn truck. And then you see it crash. I thought that was really cool the way they did that because they didn't have like an establishing shot of them inside arguing or anything, or you don't see them through the window and you don't need to. I thought that was really good. And you don't need to like really get to know Edgar all that well. It's really well Three lines. He's saying, it looks like poison, which is another thing I say sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's like, I'll make you something else or whatever. And he's like, no, don't take it away from me. Fucking asshole. Yeah. So essentially what happens, as far as I can tell, is the cockroach wears Edgar's skin. As Siobhan Fallon later phrases it, it looks like he's wearing Edgar's suit. Yeah. It is one of the most effective makeup jobs I've ever seen in a movie. It's still Vincent D'Onofrio. He's not amped by uh, CGI or anything. He is pretty much just made up, and he slowly is decomposing throughout the movie. So early on, I mean, he's always a little twitchy, but early on you start to notice his fingertips are turning black, one of his eyes goes milky, and his skin, by act three, his skin is like gray and kind of flaking. Yeah, it's like sloughing uh, It's absolutely revolting, but really effective. Like, it's never made explicit what is happening. I guess it is made, she does say Edgar it's C. pretty explicit. But <laughs> it's... Really well done. And I think the urge to, you know, probably go CGI or something more over the top, I'm sure would have been strong. But the choice to do a more subdued villain and he, Vincent D'Onofrio, like goes, I don't know what he's doing, but I could eat it with a spoon. Like everything he does is so weird and awkward. It's It's a combination of like this body is no longer working the way it's supposed to be working. And Maybe a guy trying to impersonate a human being, <laughs> like a guy who maybe isn't used to having just two arms and legs, trying to impersonate how a human being would walk and talk. It's 
insane. Oh, oh, oh. He always sounds like he's like got like a, a bile rising up in his throat. Oh, it's so weird. It's one of the weirdest performances I've ever seen in a big blockbuster movie. And I really, I have to nominate him for the Catherine O'Hara Award. Like, I feel like there's no contest. Seconded, no contest. It is, <laughs> he is my favorite part of this movie. In a movie that I, to spoiler, very much enjoy overall. This is like heads and shoulders. Like, there's no discounting the star power of Will Smith, certainly at the time. And he gets a lot of the laugh lines and stuff. But Vincent D'Onofrio just like knocks this out of the park too. Like the the combination, like you said, of the effects plus the choices he makes. Because it's not just the look, but yeah, the whole mannerisms. And like he does so many weird, funny things like from the very beginning. So the first scene we see of him, we saw Vincent D'Onofrio in normal face for like one second. When he just comes out of the door with a shotgun and says, figures, that's it, really. And then threatening mm-hmm. the alien. That's really all we see. And then we see him stand up. It's clearly something's wrong. And <laughs> we know what's happened because we saw, like, you see the pile of his skin. And then you see it slide down in the hole. And he, like, gets up and then just goes, like, <laughs> that choice. And then immediately he goes to the door and he he goes to the wrong side of the door and just goes, <laughs> yes. he just makes this. <laughs> And she's just, Siobhan Fallon also doing, holding her own in this scene is just watching him completely like dead faced, like watching him go to the wrong side of the door, come in, ask for sugar. And she hands him like the sugar bowl. And of course, water. I will say like, again, sort of going back to the makeup, even immediately he has you it's hard to even place what's wrong with him because we see Vincent D'Onofrio he just looks like Vincent D'Onofrio when he comes out it look there's weird bulges his eyes like you can sort of see like the inside of his bottom eyelid are sort of bulging out like he looks like he's not fitted right into his own skin it's really effective yeah he's just got it's very subtle you wouldn't even necessarily in that first scene, you wouldn't even necessarily pick up on it if you hadn't just seen him looking fine earlier. But, and just combined with his posture of like, almost like holding his chest out and his arms back and just keeping his knees like locked and his ankles rigid. Like he's always walking like, you know, like a GI Joe who you accidentally super glued his legs. <laughs> but there's a point where he's sort of spying on what turns out to be the the Artillion? What are the people who have the galaxy? The people he's after? You can make up a race. I can't, I can't even remember. Ar, ar, I, not Artillion. Maybe Artillion? The guy he's spying on, the, it's the guy who has the cat. And he's coming out of the shop and he's now got his Edgar suit and he's got the truck with his, his yeah, spaceship. Yeah, he woke up, right? He killed a he kills uh, the exterminator. exterminator and stole his truck. Very ironic, of yeah. course. And he's trying to just sit and watch and he's trying to just pose with his <laughs> hand on... And he does this like super awkward, like lean, like thing. And he tries it like three, two or three times. Oh, it's, it's so good. And I'm even realizing now that he really, Vincent D'Onofrio doesn't really have any funny lines, like straight lines that are jokes. Like they are all made funny by his performance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. He's not, it's not a funny character on the page. It's just straight up all funny because of like this physicality that that D'Onofrio it's brings more the it. delivery than the words but i do really enjoy it a pet cat means the world pet man. cat it was, <laughs> it means the world deranged absolutely insane <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> he also at one point when he leaves the 
I can't remember if he leaves the shop after killing the Artillion. The again. jewelry shop? After oh, leaving the, the restaurant. The, the diner. Yeah. And he like people are like screaming and looking at him and, and he like knocks a couple people out of the way. I don't think he kills him necessarily, but he and then he's on the street and this guy's just kinda like casually walking and he just does this like like does a like a hand, <laughs> a stiff arm to the air in front of him. Like almost trying to wave. Yeah. I don't know what he it's just it's magical. Shoot it into my veins. It's fantastic. I want to talk about the Men in Black's style and decor. Okay. Would you like to talk about it with me? Mid-century modern, would you say? I would say retrofuturism, yes. actually. Okay. And with some hard Sputnik coming in. Everything's silver. Everything is a lot of like arcs and lines, like keeping those very like aerodynamic looking lines mm -hmm. i just realized i started sounding like i knew how to talk about decor you corrected me, and in now fact. i am completely collapsing <laughs> under the weight of my own pretension <laughs> but i will say i was bothered when we first see the men in black office and it's supposed to be this like awe-inspire moment i'm like this is just a gray office guys yeah. and i've never noticed this before but he comes in and you know you're, you're seeing this wide shot and they have entered through a doorway, and now they're on like a small balcony that is slowly moving down. That's how we're all going to descend in the future. We won't yeah. have stairs. We're just going to have slow-moving, tiny balconies. <laughs> like, guys, we already solved this problem <laughs> millennia ago. You were just in an elevator. <laughs> just stay Why in Why don't you just go downstairs? Yeah, that's true. You took an elevator to get to one floor that's half a floor higher than where you needed to go. You know exactly why they did it, and it was worth it. So, get off me. I will also say this movie, this reminds me of Tommy Lee Jones' line, you know, Will Smith says something like, you know, I've got the skills. And then as they're entering this room, Tommy Lee Jones says, right now your skills don't mean dick. And I remembered... This is an overall comment, but this movie is a lot broier than I remember it being. Mm. Not super broy, but there's a lot of like parts in it where I'm like, what? The fascination with bigger and bigger guns, the line that your skills don't mean dick. I really have a whole chapter to talk about Linda Fiorentino's character, but the way it sort of treats her and this weird flirtatious stuff they do to her is weird. Not to mention she basically turns into Princess Peach for Act 3 for some reason. For no reason whatsoever, the bug, Vincent D'Onofrio's character, tries to kidnap her on his way back to his home planet. Why would he when he has killed almost everyone else he's encountered? I don't know. It's a long trip. Might need a snack. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. That's another thing I like to quote. It still was. <laughs> still was weird, I thought. Yeah, there is a little, like, broiness here, and almost not to push me away from the movie, not that point, and it was, it's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but I just remember being, like, off-put by a few of these, like, line readings. Not to mention, there are literally two women in this movie. Yes. Siobhan Fallon and Linda Fiorentino. No other woman in this movie has a line whatsoever. Except maybe that birthing alien in the back. Although I don't know, you know the biology of that specific race. True. And I mean, not that we're using it as a parameter anymore. Definitely doesn't pass the Bechdel test because they do not interact. <laughs> they do not interact <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I didn't notice it, but I think, because I do think this would be 
bro level tepid by 1997 standards oh yeah this is practically you know uh, the feminine mystique yeah. in 1997 <laughs> but yeah I, I i can concede that too and i some of it is just sort of like the swagger you know of the general yeah. vibe and then and not just will smith but just the whole kind of thing we know better than everyone. Yeah, I mean, there is yeah. a. I mean, that's not part of the broiness, but that's part of the weird pre nine eleven like government conspiracy. The government's behind it all because they're so competent; they know what's going on. And then nine eleven happens, and we're like, oh wait, no, they're all fucking morons, and no one knows what the fuck's going on. Yeah, I was reminded of like a, yeah, mostly because of Will Smith, like uh, Roland Emmerich, who has never met a conspiracy theory he can't make a movie out of. I wouldn't be surprised if he was attached to this movie at some point in his career. This feels very conspiratorial in the same way that he likes to talk about conspiracies in movies. But that's neither here nor there. Just because I missed it and we already talked about it, I want to go back to Siobhan Fallon and the fact oh, that yeah. when they go interview her later, she first of all, she asked them if they want lemonade and like <laughs> Donnelly Jones, after being very serious, goes, oh, yes, please, which I like. I always like that. <laughs> I quote that sometimes and- I, I don't even know what I'm quoting. And then also, <laughs> their lemonade, Will Smith takes a, a drink of it and then gives a sour face because she has no sugar left. She has no sugar left. I did left. not I've seen that. catch that like the first 50 times. I did catch it before the sort of TikTokification thing of like, you didn't even <laughs> notice in this. And did you know in Men in Black? I'm like, yes, I did, but only in like 20... 20- 15, so I'm not going to take too much credit, <laughs> but I did know before still, you I'm kids. annoyed that some 20-year-old is telling me what for on Men in Black. <laughs> Flops you've never heard of. Men in Black, 1997. <laughs> what? Wasn't a flop made like $600 million? I do also want to talk about the Men in Black. I do appreciate a well-dressed mm. government employee. I want to talk about Will Smith's fashion before he becomes sure. a Man in Black. Mm -hmm. Is it just me? Or is it absolutely insane, the clothes he's wearing? Yeah, he's undercover, presumably, right? Because he's- I'd hope so, clothes. I guess, but it feels like he'd be calling attention to himself. Let's, let's see where we meet our hero. What is he wearing? He is wearing an unmarked white football jersey. Mm. It is a football jersey, no names, no number, just all white. No markings on it whatsoever. A tracksuit. He's wearing an orange tracksuit with the jacket tied about the waist. And he's just keeping what I, I'm not a gun guy. I'm even actually actively not a gun guy. But the gun he's carrying doesn't seem like standard issue NYPD gun. It's like silver. And mm. he's like sticking it down his pants. That's not regulation. That's right. Later, when he comes for his men in black training, he is wearing blue jeans, baggy blue jeans, a white t-shirt, and then a silk like baseball jersey in bright red. And then his final outfit that we see him in, white t-shirt, yellow pants with what can only be described as like NASCAR logos all over it. It's just completely covered in <laughs> some sort of advertisements for other clothes, I presume. What? I can't tell if this is just like, everyone was dressed like this in 1997 and I just missed it, or if it's supposed to be ridiculously over the top to counteract like this minimalist suit he'll be wearing for the rest of the movie. I would say, and I, I think, I don't want to go to give the movie too much credit, but it's also showing how big of a sacrifice it is for him to like give up his personality 
and how mm-hmm. difficult it would be for him to like, you know, just wear the, it's not just about the suit, but the suit is representative of how he has to Because he up. makes this look good. Yeah, I, I mean, point out. and he's not wrong. But you like, he has to give up himself. He has to give up his personality. Right. And of course, you know, quirk wise, he doesn't. He's still quippy guy, but. Johnny quips a lot. I would guess his original that's character sort, name. sort of what we're going for. Plus he's like. Supposed to be a hip young guy in New York, and who knows what they were wearing in the city. Oh, weirdos. He looks like when people are like, oh, I just let Johnny dress himself before we head out. <laughs> That's what he looks like every time we see him before he wears a black suit. Do you want to talk about Will Smith? We haven't really talked about the star of this movie very much. He seems to be a cop with little regard for the law. His superpower is not being constrained by the Constitution, like many cops. Yeah. Yeah, the sort of of trigger happy cop doesn't sort of play as well as it maybe did in 1997. (laughs) To his credit, he holds a gun against Tommy Lee Jones when he thinks that Tommy Lee Jones has blown Tony Shalhoub's head off. So I guess that's to some credit that he might turn against another authority figure who shot someone needlessly. Yeah, I mean, he seems almost like a parody of like the John McClane type from movies. I feel like he's playing into that trope a little bit. And, you know, he's a cop, plays by his own rules, doesn't like to do the paperwork. He's just shooting his way into the Guggenheim to catch a perp. Some jargon for you. He also yells, freeze means stop, which I like. (laughs) It's good to clear that up. Yeah. His audition is one of my favorite scenes in this movie, that whole sequence. Oh, the the scene where they're doing the, oh, you mean the whole sequence, like mm-hmm. the, the egg chairs and then the shooting yes. and then the, I did appreciate that he shot the little girl and I feel like he has valid reasons to shoot her. Those math books were way beyond her skill level. One of the things I quote all the time too is, so they're in this little like awkward room and these like egg shaped chairs and he, they have to take this paper test and it's very awkward SAT paper and they, they're like, it's clearly awkward as a test, you know what I mean? To see how Mm -hmm. they deal with it. The pencils break, they're baking through the paper, the paper keeps folding over, they keep trying to write like on their legs, on the egg, and then Will Smith grabs the table and very loudly (laughs) pulls it over and then says what I say all the time, which is, you want to get down on this? He like offers the other guy (laughs) who's been nothing but a total dweeb to him. Dweeb to him! (laughs) Yes, I say that all the time. Anytime you do something loud that it makes everybody look over, you yell. You want to get down on this? You want to get down on this? Uh, no, it is a very charming scene. I like the shooting scene. Shooting gallery, yeah. Is there anything else? Is that is it just those two? Yeah, I guess that's it. And then they go take their eye exam, which is the neuralizer. One other note I had, because this is a big budget movie in the 90s, I started to notice in a way I don't think I've ever noticed before. Is this movie toyetic, to use the term that Joel mm. Schumacher brought into the uh, zeitgeist? It seems like it, it could be. It feels a little toyetic. Yeah. They've all, all these different guns, and they have this car that transforms. Which I can only, if it wasn't a car that you could buy, you know, made from Kenner, I'd eat my hat. And yeah, it just felt like every scene sort of introduced something new for you that you could potentially buy. Yeah, I do think they had some of that, especially as the sequels went on. Because now there's been what four men, men's in black, and they all just kept getting better, from what I hear. I liked the third <laughs> one. The fun was that the one Jermaine Clement? Yeah. Clement? I liked that one. Not as much as this one, but I did like it. I've seen parts of that one, and I think it was better than Men in Black 2, which I also have seen. It is not good. Two, I did not care for. I have not seen the fourth one. 
Two also does the thing that I hate in sequels that I think I've talked about endlessly on this, which is, oh shit, we got rid of the most charming person from the last movie. We need to come up with a plot to come back and get him. So mm. they have the, the whole plot is like around getting Tommy Lee Jones back into the Men in Black. Yeah, getting him out of retirement. So I definitely have seen those. I know they exist because there was also like a series. And I know those. Oh yeah, there was a cartoon series, right? Yeah, and I don't know if these toys caught on necessarily, but I definitely know they exist. But I don't know if it was like right after the success of this movie. So it would surprise me if that was truly the plan. But you're absolutely right. There, they introduce a lot of things. There's like the guns. There's you know all the aliens. I I remember seeing like little figurines of the coffee drinking aliens. I can't remember what they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cigarette smoking coffee drinking yeah. aliens that apparently just stay in there all the time. They're just chilling. I did enjoy their scene with Tommy Lee Jones. I like when Tommy Lee Jones is just acting with little aliens. You want to talk about Linda Fiorentino's character? I do want to talk about Linda Fiorentino. Now, I've already said that she is essentially 50% of the speaking women in this movie. Mm. So I'm hesitant to go into this. But... But I didn't... <laughs> think that I liked her in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to go into why, because ever since I saw it the first time, I something always felt a little off with her. And I didn't know what it was, if it was just me being, you know, subconsciously sexist or if there is something. And I think that her character on the page versus how it's performed, there is a vast world of difference. I feel like the way she is written is to be like a kind of a quirky goth girl who, you know, isn't put off by, you know, gross dead bodies and maybe flirts a little when she's, you know, sticking her hand into the body cavity of a dead body and maybe is a little bit like uh, flirty and, you know, kinky in a little, you know, some sort of subversive way. And the way Linda Fiorentino plays her is completely straight-laced, conservatively dressed, almost quiet to the point where I wondered if she had been miked for her first scene. I'm like, what did she just say? Did anyone catch that? She just sort of came in like a whirling dervish and left. I feel like she's supposed to be sort of this really quirky, maybe even a manic pixie dream girl type, and she is played almost boring to a fault. It's very weird. And I've never quite gelled with her character, and it feels like she... The way that Will Smith responds to her is how her character is written rather than how her character is played. And it always never gels for me. How did you feel about her? I'm like half half with you and half not. So I have to admit some bias of just generally thinking that Linda Fiorentino is fine, especially in this okay. movie. And so there's this thing that when pretty women just like kind of look at you, you go like, she's great at whatever she's trying to do. She's doing a great job modeling that car. Yeah. You got to hand it to her. How much is it? Uh, 48? <laughs> yeah. But like, so having said that, I don't think that she's the best actress. I've only <laughs> really seen her. I think I probably have mistakenly watched Jade at some point, but <laughs> I've seen this Jade and Dogma. So it's not like I celebrate her. I've only seen two thirds of those movies and I'll let you know which one is off. Definitely the David Caruso <laughs> movie I didn't get around to seeing. And she's not exactly knocking those out of the park either. Dogma, I remember being especially egregious, but it's also like a movie full of she those types of She has a very deadpan delivery. Yeah, yeah. And I think that could work. And there's also the stuff, and we talked a little bit about this in the intro, 
of like her being a difficult actress, Kevin Smith kind of calling her from, and then now like looking at it back, there's like some gross stuff with that. We, there's nothing reported. She kept her opinion at me. Yeah. There's nothing like reported about anything that happened, but there's definitely some possibility that happened and that she had this reputation because maybe she was not taking it because she does seem like person, like kind of a tough lady who would just not take Mm -hmm. that shit, which is awesome. But that doesn't make her, (laughs) it makes me more sympathetic to the whole thing, but it doesn't make me all Mm -hmm. of a sudden go like, oh, she's really good at acting. It makes me go (laughs) somewhere in the reading that was like, oh, I wish we had cast Janine Garofalo. And I'm like, I kind of do too. Is that true? Is that what she wanted? Somebody dropped that name and I I don't know if it was, she was ever I can definitely, especially 1990s Garofalo feels like, hmm. Yep, I feel like that is and maybe it, the choice that... Yeah, doesn't it feel like that's yeah. what the vibe, the kind whole Kind of goth, like Gen yeah. X girl, like who's a little bit dark and a little bit flirty. I can def Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and I don't think the script or the whole production like did her any favors, but I also don't can't completely like absolve her from the situation either. So yeah, it's, it's complicated and I, it's, you know, it sucks to just be like, shit piling on the the one main woman character in this entire no i know that's why i'm hesitant to do it but i do feel like there's there was always something that bothered me about her performance in this movie and it wasn't like she's terrible it's something's not gelling between him and her or or this whole scene it's giving me the whole situation with a female-led ghostbusters 2016 movie where i'm like Uh the thing is it's not great (laughs) but not the reasons that you're mad about it, these <laughs> other reasons, and now make, you're making me defend this thing that's not great, but it's better than uh-huh. what you're saying, and it's not bad just because she's, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, anyway, it's it's frustrating, and I wish, you know, a great thing would be if there were just, you know, more women generally in the cast, and then you could kind of make those decisions on uh, Right, on you there. wouldn't have to feel like you have to defend <laughs> every woman in the cast. Although, we're giving an award to Siobhan, so it's coming. True, that's true. So. We fixed it. So I guess, in a way... We've done it again, and two men have fixed the problem. (laughs) This is what feminism looks like. (laughs) Get used to it. You and me talking to each other. Okay, so I only have one one or two. Actually, one half point and one full point. I want to say, the suits that they wear at the end of this movie are some of the ugliest things I've ever seen. That is some... Do not change the men in black suits. How dare you? That is... Some of the 1997 prom ass wearing shit that I have That's ever Tim seen. Allen. Tim Allen at the Oscars nonsense. <laughs> you get your old suit out and you put it on, damn it. We have suit at Finally. home. <laughs> I just want to talk about the climax. We already talked about how Linda Fiorentino gets Princess Peached. We have extolled the virtues of Vincent D'Onofrio. I'm going to put one caveat on that. Which is, unfortunately, the entire final fight between K.J. and Vincent D'Onofrio's character is a CGI fight. Yes. So we lose Vincent D'Onofrio because the cockroach finally takes off the shoot. But unfortunately, at that point, he never says another line again. Am I remembering that correctly? I don't think so. I don't think he says anything. Or if he does, it's kind of screamy. So it becomes this sort of like animalistic being at that point. And we lose all Vincent D'Onofrio in it. And it's unfortunately a 1997 CGI cockroach. Not absolutely terrible, but I would have much rather had 
even if it was just like amplify with CGI, Vincent D'Onofrio fighting, at least some element of Vincent D'Onofrio still around. Because I feel like that's when this movie, not falls apart per se, but it's it's sort of a not the best note that they end on. Yeah. Is that it's just this kind of like weird, you know, PlayStation 2 fight <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. It's, yeah, it goes kind of full lawnmower man <laughs> vibe. And then... <laughs> Rude. Rude to men in black. I don't know if this was as much of a trope at the time, but, you know, Tommy Lee Jones gets eaten, which this is fine. Is it's, that a trope now? I feel like getting inside the monster and blasting your way out is kind of a trope now. Maybe it was by then. Maybe it wasn't. Or maybe it's not now, and I don't know what I'm talking about. Welcome to the podcast. I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> We hope you like our personalities because we are not knowledgeable. <laughs> but he gets the cockroach to eat him, which it's fine. It's excusable within the plot. But it is kind of weird how he knocks J and K around so much when he's just been killing people like instantly. Yeah. This time, not going to do it. In like 10 different ways, too. This is not just that he does the needle with the artillians and he does the he breaks the waiter in half he oh, glues yeah. david cross's character to the ceiling somehow with slime i don't know you know he's got the slime he's got the cockroach slime cockroaches have slime right next question entomology and then tommy Lee jones convinces or like you know insults the cockroach and he eats them whole and then of course tommy Lee jones gets his blaster out and shoots his way out there's some good elements to that fight because no, it's not terrible. Yeah, you know, the really only weakness that the cockroach has is that he has an extreme inferiority complex. So, like, <laughs> when Jay starts crushing cockroaches, I think he's kind of sensitive because it's not, it's not like he cares about those particular bugs. It's that, you know, Jay is saying, I am bigger and stronger and I can crush these bugs very easily. And so, yeah, yeah that's kind of clever, a clever way to like, get it done, but... It's not the best fight. I feel like that's another trope of like the villain just being two seconds from succeeding with his plan, but gets distracted by some minor inconvenience and decides to pursue that instead. I'm like, come on, guys. That's why they'll never win, because they're, they don't have the focus and drive that you need to. One could say it's a fatal destroy flaw. Destroy the universe? What are we trying to do? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm not sure. I read that they changed the plot at some point. Mm-hmm. There was like another third alien And the race. previous plot seemed to make at least nominally more sense. In the previous plot, I guess, Carol Stroykin's character, and, and then, I can't remember his name, Rosenberg the jeweler with the cat. They're actually members of two warring alien races who are finally like sort of making sort of a peace treaty. And the bug, Vincent D'Onofrio, wants to keep the war going. They like the war because I guess they can feast on the corpses i don't know but at the last minute they changed it and it was just like two old friends handing off the galaxy to one another and then vincent d'onofrio wants the galaxy for reasons it's the most powerful source of subatomic energy in the universe and why does he want that why wouldn't he want it i guess maybe anyway that's all i got quote uglier suits i brought it up i got quote roundup okay Let's see. Okay, yeah. Looks like you got some entrails on you there, pal. <laughs> Do you have them or am I just doing this? Do no, I, it's it's just you. Well, okay. I have the person is smart, people are dumb, panicky animals, which feels very, I like it because it is clever, but it also feels a little Ayn Rand. So I always try and keep it at arm's length. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, we already hit on this, but sugar and water, <laughs> more. 
I'm going to mostly. I do like, again, Siobhan's response of like, she says nothing. Yeah. Never breaks eye contact with him. Pours it in. Pours a little bit more. Dumps the whole thing in. And to her credit, doesn't spill a granule. Yeah. Goes straight into that cup. And apparently they had to do a lot of takes of that. And Vincent D'Onofrio was bouncing off the walls because he was drinking so much literal sugar water. Is there no workaround for making him drink sugar water over and over again? I I think sugar water is the workaround. So so they don't. Yeah, I guess that's true. I have referred to myself as soggy around the midsection, which is something that (laughs) Will Smith, his character, refers to the other police officers as. This is a kind of a deep cut that I sometimes say, but at some point. They're like, this is he. He said he's coming. And then Tommy Lee Jones says, Did he say when? I don't know what. And he, like, he's talking about <laughs> the guy that Will Smith's character catches, that Jay catches at the beginning, is saying that the, oh. the bug is coming, that Edgar bug is coming. And he's going to come destroy the universe. And then Tommy Jones just goes, Did he say when? Like, really seriously. <laughs> Because there's always an our Ar- artillion spaceship or yeah. va ba 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 ba, and the only way we can get on with our miserable lives do is to not, not know about know it. about it. Know about it. We got a shaloub, and then <laughs> so, and he says, "I hear you've been doing something else." Because he finds out that he's dealing alien weapons, and he's like, "Well, I'm a huge crack dealer now, but I work here because I love the hours." <laughs> Tony Shalhoub doing great with a, just a one scene. Yeah. He also, like, when they walk in, he has, like, a bunch of luxury watches in front of him. He's like, I don't know where these came from. I was just about to call the, you know, proper the proper authorities. authorities. <laughs> Y'all ain't laughing, though. I say, I say that sometimes because he was talking about. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what point what that happens. Yelling and laughing, someone says no, that? No, he's so, they're, they're in the, like, then he's like. Because you're looking for the best of the best of the best, sir. And then he's like making fun of him. And he's like, oh, Captain uh-huh. America here. And then he's like, he's really excited to be here. And yet he has no idea. It's just funny. <laughs> y'all ain't laughing, though. <laughs> oh, right. Y'all ain't laughing. Are. Yeah, that is funny. When he's explaining why he shot the <laughs> in the shooting gallery, he avoided all the monsters. That whole thing is pretty quotable, but especially at the end when he says, or do I owe her an apology? <laughs> <laughs> And then after he leaves, he goes, that was a good shot, though, right? <laughs> it was right between the eyes of that eight-year-old girl. That whole scene has a lot of quotable lines because he also, when Kay is explaining and he shows him the album of photos of the first alien landing, and he goes, oh, you brought that tall man some flowers. <laughs> At some point when they're going through the office and he, he knocks the crazy ball of the great attractor around the office and it like hits people and hits a guy in the head and he goes, somebody get him some <laughs> ice. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones does say something along the lines of the great attractor sent it as a practical joke, caused the 1978 New York City blackout. He thought it was really funny, though. Yeah, that's pretty good. The great attractor is also a cosmic phenomenon. A real thing. Yeah, it's a cosmic phenomenon. It's like there's a very large center of gravity and they still don't exactly know what it is. And it affects like galaxies are right affected by it. There's something when Zed is talking about something and (laughs) then one of the Character says something in response, and he goes, "You wish bring a sponge." I don't know. <laughs> I don't know exactly what he's talking. Yeah, he about. says he says some alien that they're talking about. He's like, "Is a humanoid?" And he's yeah, like, you wish. "You wish bring a sponge." Sometimes I quote that, and I didn't really know what it was from, and it's not really relevant. But I want to say something before we get too far from the training. And Tyler wanted me to specifically say this. Tyler and I went to Universal Studios maybe seven or eight years ago, and they had a Men in Black ride. Keep in mind, this is 
2010s, solidly 2010s, 20 years after, about 20 or so years after uh, Men in Black. And the ride is a shoot 'em up ride. It's a roller coaster, but you're also having to, you get a gun in your what have you, and you have to shoot. You're basically doing this training. And they got that rip torn money, they got him to come in and do the video bit. And I realized immediately that I do not like that in my rides. I want to sit down. I've been in the hot Florida sun. It probably also rained because it's fucking Florida. And I just want to like ride the ride and you to thrill me. I don't want to like have to keep score and worry that the people in the car are doing oh. better than me. Just You don't like the competition the part of the ride. I don't want that. I mean, that's why I'm really hesitant about this Mario Kart ride as well now coming to Universal Studios. I don't want to keep up with all that. You thrill me. I don't thrill you. To contrast, though, the the Toy Story ride at Disney World is really fun. The one where you shoot the paintballs. Is there? It's oh no, I've never played this. Is it at Disney World or Disneyland? I think it's at Horold. Okay, I've never been to that. At one point, is it at uh, Magic Kingdom, Epcot? We talking about Animal Kingdom? What are we dealing with here? I don't remember. Hollywood Studios. Ask me later. Splash and Safari. I'll look it up. At one point, after a big shootout on the street. Jay is in charge of the neuralizer explanation, and he <laughs> is just mumbling through something. And it's he says the light. Re- he says reflected. He said the light reflected off of Venus into some swamp gas. And then he like he's like Jay, get over here. And he like goes like I'll be back. And he like just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Also, this is not a quote, but oh. please notice. And in fact, I encourage you since you've already probably rented it from Amazon, to go back towards the end near the climax when at the moment that Jay is looking at the mural on the wall and realizes that the bug is going after the the Queen's World's Fair Mm -hmm. things, look in the background at Tommy Lee Jones because Kay and Zed are talking about where he could be, what all the spaceships are, and Tommy Lee Jones is fake typing, and this is how it looks. Yeah, I mean, uh, do a search on all the... the (laughs) All of the spacecraft in the New York metropolitan area. He can't get far. He's the worst fake typing I've ever seen. <laughs> just type. You've got a little thing. Just t- He's like not touching the surface. It's amazing. And I've never noticed it just before. Just have a Word document open and just type in some gobbledygook. You don't have to do the Kermit the Frog school of fake typing. Just actually type. <laughs> You're not going to break nothing. Take this Oldsmobile that turns into the Batmobile to get to. It's a Ford POS. Ford Ford, POS. uh, I think it's technically an LTD, but he calls it a POS because he doesn't like the car. That's a piece of shit. Limited. 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 LTD. Why would you pick the T over the M to abbreviate limited? Mm, You know what I mean? Limited. Damon. Limited. Oh. What's your verdict? Yeah, your inner child's not an idiot. This is a pretty good movie. I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. I wasn't laughing, 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 yucking it up as I usually might in a comedy type situation. But I really enjoyed it. I love Tommy Lee Jones. As we, I will second your nomination of uh, Siobhan Fallon for the Sally Field Scene Stealer Award. I don't even know what the official <laughs> official title that we have engraved on the award is. But and I will also second your Vincent D'Onofrio as the Catherine O'Hara Memorial MVP Award. So 
I guess I better write that down because I'm gonna have to do some like you know photoshopping. So mad. This Vincent was your decision. D'Onofrio, <laughs> he gets the COH, and Shabon Fallon gets the Sally Field. DJ, may I ask what you thought of this movie? Did I even say anything generally? No, it was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, have, we have said stuff DJ. for the last hour. It's fine. <laughs> this is it. I remember on the AV Club, we would read that regularly before it turned into a zombie version Tanked. of itself. <laughs> they would do these letter grades for shows and movies, and then they'd write a whole article about it. And then <laughs> people in the comments would be like, A minus, why didn't you give it an A plus? And he's like, you might try reading all those words I wrote under the letter grade. <laughs> That's our podcast. Anyway, Year and Child's not an idiot. This movie's great. Is it perfect? Of course not. Could it use some more women and women with agency or yeah, any? Yes, of course. Anyone. <laughs> Anyone. Any women. It's great. Vincent is amazing. Will Smith is really funny and charming. Tommy Lee Jones is great. Linda Fiorentino is also in it. <laughs> oh, burn. Oh, I'd hate to be Linda Fiorentino right now. Take that, actress who had to retire from acting because she got labeled with being a difficult woman. Now I feel bad. Well, but this movie's great. It's worth um, by the way, we're not talking about Mara, Mara Tierney. Don't ever, that's not who we're talking about. Now, if you're me in the 90s, you will confuse the two women often, but they are two different women. And that's not who we're talking Is that about. We're talking cutting about Cutting Edge. Is that what you're about? No, that's Maura Kelly. Mm. Maura Tierney was in News Radio, Liar Liar. Oh, yeah, yeah. They do have a similar look. They've got like the short, they've they got a have deadpan a, delivery. Yeah. They've got the short bob. Yeah. I think I'll buy that. I think if you already like this- They should this, be complimented that I confused them. <laughs> I think if you already like this movie, you're not going to be upset going back to it. I think it's great. What do you think, everybody? Email us. Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail, 615-576-0525. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. And you can be a supporter like these folks, including Just Cuz, who is the whole reason we're doing this episode now, Just Cuz. If you want to- Thank you, Just. We, can really I call you Just? <laughs> we really appreciate your support. And if you want to get your request, jump to the top of the pops. Join at the Richie Rich level. Also, <laughs> Lindsay Halleck. Scalphosaurus. Beth Sermont. Karen Curd. Larissa Maestro. Lindsay Nell. Particle Man. Shit on the cartouche. Particle Man, I just want to say, I saw They Might Be oh. Giants live a few weeks ago, and it was awesome, by the way. T. Smith. The Elusive Fan Gromkin. I also caught the band The Elusive Fan Gromkin at the Ryman. <laughs> <laughs> Flawless. The, you know, the acoustics in there are great to get all yeah. the various gromps. Because of how elusive they are. Uh, <laughs> fan, fan the Fate. The Mick Willie House of Cats. The supreme ruler of this podcast. The Zesty. You have to read this one, too. Tommy Boy is my favorite movie. Travis. Fitt. I read that as Linda Fiorentino would have read it. Okay, let's keep reading as Linda Fiorentino. Great. Travis Vance. Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Caroline Amberson. Damon's Australian accent. Oh, I want to read it as Siobhan. <laughs> Let's all pick our favorite characters. David Mort. Dr. Malcolm's heaving bosom. Dramatically plays hot dog. Heather Tuggle. She's slowly evolving into Vincent D'Onofrio. Heather Tuggle is what I just said. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with Damon. That's not terrible, unless it is. James Taylor. Jeremy Powlin. Jonathan Day. One more Linda. Josh Virgo. Thank you all very much. We really appreciate your support. If you want to support like them, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. 
And if you could all just do me one big favor, like obviously you're doing the normal <laughs> stuff, you're joining Patreon, you're giving us reviews on iTunes and all your favorite podcast services, you're sharing episodes with all your friends, but also most importantly, if you could just- I know what you're about to say. Just get it out. Bounce with me. Just bounce with me. Just bounce with me. Just bounce with me. Just, oh, just slide with me. Just slide with me. Just Why does he have such a strong Southern accent? He's from, he's from Philadelphia. He's told you so many times. I slid right into my desk. Ooh, you want to be careful about that. Ow. Ah.